Alright, so, so today we start a new series called The Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. I am going to start at the basic of basics today because I don't want to leave anyone behind. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of preconceived ideas, misunderstandings, um, and, and we just want to make sure that we're moving forward in unity and in unison. And uh, it's just, I think it's ironic, prophetic, however you want to look at it, that uh, Freddie and Amy are being sent out today because it was a work of the Holy Spirit that, that birthed something in them, that empowered them to do the things that they're going to do. And if you were here in the previous service, there was some amazing prophetic words spoken over them, which we're looking forward to hear uh, as they return, how the Lord fulfilled them. So uh, we're very excited about that. But they're, they're like a model couple for... Uh, having the mindset, I want more. I know there's more that God has for me, and I want it. And uh, we're trying to raise up a church that has that kind of mindset because I believe firmly that the Holy Spirit has a lot more for us than we give Him credit for. And so um, I want to have you turn in your Bibles as we prepare to, uh, to get into this message to Acts 19. And frankly, there is a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. For some, it's confusion. For others, it's, uh, you know, there's some teaching that maybe was not directly truthful or fully clear. And so people come in with baggage when they hear, I mean, the Father I'm pretty good with, I've dealt with Him, and, the, and Jesus I'm grateful for, but the Holy Spirit, uh, you know. Sometimes people hear that and there's that hesitation like, well, what are, you trying to, what are you trying to say? What are we trying to get into here? And so I want to make... Uh, this as clear as possible to each and every one, because He is God. He is a part of the Godhead. He's a part of the Trinity. Uh, he is a person. He's not an it. He's a person. And we want to learn to relate to Him well. For others, people have, may have had bad experiences or heard about things that happened related to the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, or since that time, maybe their mindset has been uh, established related to him in a wrong way. And so um, I, we want to help straighten that out. Um, tradition can play a major part in what we think. And sometimes people believe tradition over what the Bible says, you know. And so today we want to start with a, if you would, a blank slate, a blank page, and start from scratch. And, and my hope is that no matter what you've taught, ex been taught, experienced, or uh, think you know about the Holy Spirit, which some of you may know a whole lot. I'm not trying to discount that. I want to go after what the Bible says about Him. And we want to we lay aside preconceived notions and traditions and see what the Bible says about Him. A blank page approach. And based upon that approach, if you were to do that yourself, if you were to read through the Bible, what conclusions would you come to? We hope to talk about that in this series. Um, but what you'll find as you read through the Bible about the Holy Spirit, He is one who comforts the Bible. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter, right? I'm going to send a comforter. Uh, and when I leave, He's coming. Um, he's also talked, to, uh, talked about or referred to as a guide. He's going to guide you into all truth. He will teach you the things or remind you of the things that I have spoken. This is the Holy Spirit now. Uh, he's also one who leads us. You know, the Bible talks about in Romans, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
right? So he leads us. He has an influence on our lives. And, and lastly, or actually, lastly in my list, but not lastly in what he does, he empowers us. He empowers us. So um, we want to, if you were to take this list and come to one conclusion about the Holy Spirit, if you're trying to boil down what he does in his role in our lives down to one basic thing, the Holy Spirit's assignment is to make us more like Jesus. His assignment is to make us more like Jesus in character, in love, in power. If you look at Jesus' life, the things that he did was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, for 30 years, he did no ministry. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes down upon him. And immediately, you start to see works that were done by the power of the Spirit in Jesus' life. So Jesus was dependent upon the power of the Spirit, and so should we be. All right? So this is Jesus. His assignment is to make us more, excuse me, the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Jesus. So in Acts chapter 19, we're going to pick up a story which is written, uh, you know, the book of Acts and major uh, things that took place that are documented in the book of Acts were were written uh, 30 to 40 years after Jesus lived his life, after he was, after he died, was buried and resurrected. 30 to 40 years later, and, uh, and so we're looking here at this story in Acts 19. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, in fact, there was just this major church planning movement. And I mean, the, the gospel was being taken to the ends of the earth. And so it had gone all the way from Jerusalem and Israel to what is now modern-day Turkey. And there were some cities that, if you read, if you're familiar with the Bible, that are mentioned there that are now in modern-day Turkey, places like uh, Colossae, Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica. The gospel had, had been spread so far from its central place of Jerusalem. And this is where we pick up the story. It says, while Apollos, who was being used mightily of God, he was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that's the question we're going to ask today. Have you received or did you receive the Holy Spirit when or since you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit? We want to go after that today. They answered, look at their answer. It says, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Uh, This sort of reminds me of uh, back in the day when my wife and I were uh, very early on, we had met. We were just passionate for Jesus. I'm 19. She's 17 or so. And uh, we found ourselves at a prayer meeting. We are praying. And the pastor that night said, is there anyone here who's not baptized by the Holy Spirit? And I could tell you, at that moment in time, I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. I knew nothing about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, uh, so this is, what I, this is the sense I get when I read this story in Acts. We don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think we overthink this stuff. These people, if you read on in that story in Acts chapter 19, ended up receiving the Holy Spirit. They didn't read 20 books. They didn't get a degree before they received the Holy Spirit. They just said, no, we didn't even know there's a Holy Spirit, but if there's more of God, I want it. And that's where we need to be, you know. I'm going to do some teaching on the Holy Spirit, but the reality is sometimes we think that we have to know everything about it or about Him 
before we are going to allow him to influence our lives. And my heart is just to say, you know what, God, if you have more for me, I want it. And that's the mindset that we see here in Acts chapter 19. In fact, if you go on, verse 5, we won't show this up on the screen, but if you read that story, you'll see in verse 5 that the apostles laid hands on them and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit that very day. That very day. So, um, my wife and I received the Holy Spirit that night at a prayer meeting, you know? And, you know, for some, that's like the end all. Okay, well, you're born again. Now you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you what, we are, we are hungry. We, we want more of Him. And since that time, we've been filled over and over and over again. And that is my heart for us. Maybe, maybe you could look back to a day in your life 10, 20, 30 years ago or more, and you could say, you know what, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, you know what, I'm so happy to hear that. But I, I also want you to know there's more. We can't settle with where we're at or what we have experienced when God, when God is an experience every day. You know what I mean? There is more. There's more for us. So um, I want to I just take some steps, what I would call, um, toward the basic side of things today to help us build a foundation on what the Word of God says. The Word of God actually talks about three different baptisms, three primary baptisms. And so I want to look at the Scriptures today and land on this baptism in the Holy Spirit. The first one is what we would call salvation or being saved or born again. The Bible many times refers to baptized into Christ or baptized into the body of of Jesus, baptized into the body of Christ. And we know that the Holy Spirit plays a role in our salvation. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them, right? And so the Holy Spirit plays a role in our baptism. In Galatians 3, I want you to see uh, what, what it says here in reference to baptized into Christ. It says, verses 26 and 27, so So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. We become children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Have those who are, uh, wait, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Do you see that? It's not a terminology that we use a lot, but it's a baptism that the Bible refers to. Again, wipe the slate clean, blank page. What does the Bible say about baptism? Well, first of all, there's a baptism. There's this thing called a baptism into Christ. We see this in Galatians chapter 3. We're baptized into Christ. And that means we've become born again, saved. You You hear all kinds of terminology, but that means that we've given our lives to Jesus. And if you're here today, and you've not given your life to Jesus, you've not invited him in to forgive you of your sins... Wash your sins away and become Lord of your life. Today is an amazing day to do that. You know, he laid down his life for you. And so that you could be, you could experience that first baptism in your life today. In another place, in John 20, we see uh, something similar. It's, it's said in a different way, but something similar mentioned. John 20 is after Jesus, it's, it documents the time after Jesus had lived his life, he had died, been buried, and resurrected. And the Bible tells us there was a period of 40 days where he appeared to the disciples to teach them about the kingdom of God. And so 40 days 
he, he's, you know, he's showing himself to them. He's trying to convince them that, hey, this is me. I'm really alive. I was dead and now I'm alive. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. And it says here in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, this is the resurrection day, that evening. It's the day we celebrate Easter. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked, I want you to note this, this is humorous to me, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So these guys are afraid, there's persecution going on, they're hiding, right? Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now envision this in your mind. You're, you're behind locked door, you're a little fearful, you're worried about people coming and going. Jesus just appears in your house, you know? Hey guys, what's up? Peace be with you, you know? And I mean, that was just sort of... <laughs> Jesus played a... I guess he was playing a joke on them. That's the way I'd take it. But it doesn't stop there. Um, after he said this, he showed them the, his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. See, there was this convincing evidence. His hands were pierced. His side was pierced. And it helped them to believe. It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And here's a key, key statement. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And we could talk an awful lot about that. We won't talk about that today, maybe at some point in the future. But in essence, Jesus, if you can envision a track meet, there's, there's the, uh, the race where they hand the baton from one runner to another. And I mean, they give, the runner gives it their all, but eventually... What is that kind of race called? Relay. relay. Okay. So this is a relay race in the spirit. Jesus is saying, I've run my leg and now it's time for you to run yours. Here's the baton. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. He sent me to heal the sick. I'm sending you to heal the sick. He sent me to open blind eyes. I'm sending you to open blind eyes. He sent me to destroy the works of the devil. Guess what? I am sending you to destroy the works of the devil. And, and we could talk a lot about this, but, but Jesus is saying, as the Father sent me, now I'm giving you that assignment. I'm sending you. And here's the key verse in this, this section. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So, so we, cannot say that, uh, we cannot say that people who are born again do not have the Holy Spirit. This was a born-again experience for the disciples. He breathed on them. And it's, I'm not just talking about like, but there, there's something that emanated from him. The Spirit came from him. And, and you know, the power, the, the literal word is pneuma, Spirit. He, he breathed on them. He released the Spirit into them. And at that moment in time, they became born again. And so born-again believers have the Spirit of God. We see this. Born-again Believers have the Spirit of God. So when you get saved, just like at this very moment for the disciples, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, um, just as a side note, I want to encourage you, when you read the Bible, especially the Gospels, the Gospels have similar accounts or stories in each of them. It's called uh, the Harmony of the Gospels or the Synoptic Gospels where you can read a story in Luke and read the same story in Matthew and the same story in Mark sometimes. And, uh, you know, John is a little bit less tied to those three. 
But it's important to note that each of those stories is not word for word verbatim. There's different bits of information in each of the stories, and you can get a better picture uh, of what was actually going on when you read the different Gospels, and sometimes even into the book of Acts. Um, It's called the harmony of the Gospels. And so many times when I read a story in Matthew, I'm checking out to see if it's in Mark or Luke so I could get a better feel of actually what is all the data, what is all the information. Um, Why is it different? Well, each of these authors were writing to different audiences, right? They were writing to different audiences, and they they wrote their perspective, and they had a purpose for writing. So uh, the information shared is different because each of them were trying to prove a different point. Each of them were writing to a different audience. Some were writing to Jews, some were writing to Gentiles, some, you know, uh, some were writing to a persecuted church, some were writing much later, some were writing much earlier. And so, in this story, where Jesus breathed on them and received, the, he said, receive the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the harmony or the parallel story is also found in Luke 24. And you could read Luke 24, uh, 36 to 49 if you want to read the whole story, but you just need to trust me. Verse 49, I'm just going to share with you. Unless you want me, anyone want me to read all 14, 15 verses? Okay. All right. So I'll just read you verse 49. Uh, but it's, it's tied to the same story, the same experience. Jesus appears to them in the house. They're behind locked doors. They're fearful. There's persecution of the church going on. He breathes on them and they, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. But here's an additional piece of information. It says in verse 49, I am going to send you. Did that happen yet when he was saying that? No, I am going to send you. It's future, Right? There's going to be a point in time that I'm going to send something to you. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Acts 1 verses 3 through 5 have a similar statement. And he doesn't say, uh, stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He says, uh, stay here until you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so he's using different words. It's being documented in different ways. But the point being is this. They did receive the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, didn't he just blow on them? And they, he said, receive the Holy Spirit? Was there some of them just saying, ah, I don't want none of that bad breath? Well, I mean, what's going on? Why is he saying you're going to receive the Spirit if you wait here? They could have argued, but wait a second, I did receive the Holy Spirit. And that's where a lot of people get hung up. We cannot say to born-again people, to Christians, you have not received the Holy Spirit. They have received the Holy Spirit. But there's more. There is power. There's baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I've been talking about the the baptism that is into the body of Christ. And, And we're seeing now that there's something else that he's, a future tense for these people that he's referring to. So there's baptism into Christ, being saved, born again, uh, that's one of the baptisms. Another baptism a lot of you are familiar with, we had it here a few weeks ago, a separate uh, experience. A separate experience is water baptism. So you can be saved, and then there's water baptism, which is a different experience. Now let me tell you something. Very, I just want to clear up theology stuff, okay? Some people have been taught... You cannot go to heaven until you're water baptized. I do not believe that. I believe when you're saved, you're saved. 
And if we tied our experience or the promise of salvation to water baptism, then that would mean that it is is something that we have to do versus what Christ has already done. Okay? So water baptism is separate from being born again. It's separate. We need to understand that. So uh, there are groups out there that teach things like this. If you're not water baptized, you're going to hell. That is not true. There are groups out there that teach you if the person baptizing you doesn't say the right words while they're baptizing you, it doesn't, it doesn't count, and you're going to hell. Can you imagine going, you know, being ready to go home, to be in heaven, standing before Jesus, and he says, you know what? You prayed the prayer to get saved. You, you followed me in obedience and water baptism, but the guy baptizing you didn't say the right words. Sorry. <laughs> it, doesn't, it just doesn't work that way, Okay. It doesn't work that way. Water baptism is, is an obedience in following Christ. Listen, you can go to heaven by being saved. If you want to obey Christ, you follow in the waters of baptism. Here, here is a, a further explanation of water baptism. It doesn't save you, but it declares that you are saved. It declares that you are saved. Um, it's, I heard someone refer to it this way, and I think it's brilliant. It is the wedding band of Christianity. Water baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. See, this wedding band says that I'm married. And your water baptism says that you're saved. You get that? So, so there's this baptism into Christ. That means salvation. There's this water baptism... And then the third one, which is really where I wanted to get to, but I wanted to make sure everyone uh, understood the first two because it can be a little confusing. There's a baptism into the Holy Spirit. And we'll find this document. In fact, we'll see all three, water baptism, salvation, and baptism in the Holy Spirit in this one passage I'm going to share with you in Acts 8. In Acts 8, it says this in verse 5. The church is now being scattered. They're being persecuted. And so, so, the, so the gospel is being carried from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And there's this man who comes on the scene named Philip. He wasn't an apostle. In fact, he was appointed to serve tables. But he was full of power and of faith. Where do you think that comes from? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. So this guy, Philip, it says that he went down to a city in Samaria... And he proclaimed the Messiah there. So he's, I mean, imagine being uh, chased out of your hometown, out of your house, out of your city, just for fear of your life. Would that shut you down? It didn't shut down Philip. I mean, he's proclaiming Christ in Samaria now. He's like, wherever you send me, you know, I'm just going to talk about Jesus because he's so good. And, uh, and so he's now in Samaria proclaiming the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and he, they saw the signs and wonders he performed, the signs he performed, they all play, paid close attention. See, that'll get your attention when you see power, right? Power coming from somebody's life. That gets your attention. When, when someone you know that was paralyzed all their lives is now walking around, right? When someone you know who was demonized for a long, long time is now free, that gets your attention and it got their attention, It said they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, this is powerful, with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. Philip was an ordinary everyday guy, like you and me, or gal, right? He was an ordinary person. 
He's setting people free. Impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Right? So he's, he's, he's led into Samaria. He's doing, you know, he's just being used by God. And if you skip down to verse 12, it says this. And it's talking about the people that he was impacting. But when they believed, that's the first baptism. They were saved. They believed. Peter said this way in Acts chapter 2, believe and be baptized. So they believed. They were saved. When they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. That is what? Water baptism, right? So now they're born again. They get water baptized, both men and women. Now skip down to verse 14. It says this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, this is headquarters, right? Jerusalem, apostles, you know, the CEOs, all the big, big wigs are like, wait a second, Samaria's got the gospel. There's stuff going on. There's revival happening in Samaria. Let's go check this out. So the apostles heard this. They sent Peter and John to Samaria, two of the apostles. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wait a second. You mean to tell me there's a different... I, I thought they, were, they already believed. Didn't they receive the Holy Spirit there? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm asking you the question. When you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit, but there's more, right? They had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, so they started praying because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They simply had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, meaning born again. They were also water baptized. They, uh, it says, Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Three baptisms. Born again, water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit. So the first question we ask in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Are you filled? Are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? Are you overflowing with the power that God has for you to accomplish the work that he has called you to? See, listen, he has a journey to take us all on. And you know, the funny thing to me is this. The devil works overtime. He is the master of scaring people. He scares people away from what God has for them. A gift to empower God's people to do what Jesus did. He scares people. Oh, that Holy Spirit stuff's freaky. I don't know anything about it. Who cares what it is? Listen, does the Bible say we should have it? Yes. yes. And you know what? The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. Okay? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is amazing. And, and he, he wants to do something in us and through us to change our world. Like Jesus said, he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The baton is being passed. The devil wants to lie and trick us into believing that, you know what, I can do everything I need to do for God and his kingdom without receiving the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something. No, you can't. No, you can't. You need power from heaven to do what God has called you to do. You might be the wisest person 
on the face of the planet. You might be the most talented person on the face of the planet. You might be uh, loaded with creativity. The reality is without supernatural power, you cannot do what God has called you to do. And that doesn't make you bad. It just makes God's gift all the more important to us. Right? And so he says, I I want you to listen carefully to these words. Jesus said, wait until you receive the promise of the Father. You see, the Father is so good. He's made a promise. He says, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we know the Bible talks about God, that every good and perfect gift is from above. We know that Jesus said that, you know, uh, when, when he, he said, you know what, if you ask the Father for bread, he won't give you a stone. If you uh, ask him for fish, he's not going to give you a snake. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask of him? Why? Because it's a gift, Right? It's something that he wants you to have so that you can do what he's called you to do. It's good, good and perfect gift, promise of the Father. And yet, so many times, tradition says, ah, you know, watch out for those people with the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, uh, it's getting a little weird in here. The reality is this. It's a lie of the devil to think that we can do anything apart from what God has for us. And so we need to be the kind of people that go after that. So why do we need this? Why do we need a baptism in the Holy Spirit? Because God designed each and every one of us to live a spirit-empowered life. I love Philip's story because Philip is not one of the bigwigs. He was not at the headquarters in Jerusalem. He was chosen to serve tables. You know? He was an ordinary, everyday person. And Philip was used mightily by God. See, God never designed the church to operate under its own ability. And his desire is that each and every person operates in power, in boldness, and in signs and wonders. I can't do signs and wonders apart from God. Can anyone in here do that? No. And so we need to get to a place of depending upon what God has. Relying upon what he has to offer us because we need his power to bring his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, here to earth. Um, A a simple analogy or example is this. Peter. Peter, you find him as you read through the Gospels. He always has something to say. He's sort of the leader of the pack. But Peter, when confronted by a young girl, did not have the boldness to stand up to her and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. That was part of his three denials of Jesus. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, right? He didn't have the boldness. And yet, after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit, this guy stood up in front of a crowd of thousands. We're told that 3,000 were saved that day. And he boldly proclaimed Jesus. Now, mind you, just days before that, they were hiding behind locked doors. Something happened. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit radically changed Peter. Uh, a couple chapters later, Peter and John are walking to a prayer meeting. There's just normal, everyday life. They probably got a little skip in their step, whistling away, you know. Some guy asked them for a little money, and he's like, I, I just don't have any money. I, silver and gold have I, don't I have? But what I do have, I give you. What did he have? He had received power. 
and he gave him what he had received, and that man who was paralyzed got up and began to walk. I'm telling you, the church of Jesus has been deceived. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit more than ever before. And not only do we need the baptism, but we need fresh infillings again and again and again. It's biblical. You see in Acts chapter 4, you see them going before God and crying out, God, give us boldness. Give us boldness that we can go and stand up for who, uh, who you are. And it says that the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they had been filled, but they were filled again. And the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And that word, uh, be uh, that word be in the, in the Greek can be easily translated as be being or be in the process of being filled. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. We need to be filled with the Spirit. The church needs to be restored to the power that God has for it. Amen? The boldness, the character, uh, knowing who they are, knowing who their God is. So um, how do we receive the Holy Spirit. First of all, we need to decide we're going to start with a blank sheet of paper because if we've had these hang-ups, these, these things that um, have caused us to look at, at that whole experience as something that is not desirable or unnecessary, we've been deceived. We should look in the scriptures. We should decide what we believe and start over again. But if you've already decided what you believe, then ask God for that gift. Lord, fill me. Would you fill me with your spirit and receive it? A gift is received by faith. Now, it's not something that you do. You receive it because it's been given. You receive it. God, I receive what you're giving me today. And then we need to be the kind of people that press in for more of his spirit daily. If we speak in, a, in tongues, you know, you could build yourself up in your most holy faith. faith uh, we're told in Jude. Build yourself up. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. So this is what I want to do. We're finishing the message portion a little bit early. I want to invite each and every person in this room to come up front. We're going to sing a song of worship and prepare our heart before the Lord. And then uh, we have a team of people that are just going to pray and just believe that God's going to do something in this place. But he is the giver of good gifts.